thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. We just had a false start, didn't we? Yes, a cat-related <laughs> false start. Yeah, she. Uh, I usually just pop her in the spare room uh, when I'm recording because she's yeah, a bit in her cage. In her cage, in her uh, two by one cage. Um, but she's been very well behaved today, not very meowy. So I thought, you know what, we'll uh, we'll give it a go, see what happens. And literally, as soon as I started the intro, she started meowing. So uh, I had to pop her upstairs, back back, back in the, the back in the cat cage. Uh, but yes, how are you today? Are you well? I'm all right. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, quite good. Quite good. Uh, you know, just uh, just partying as always. You know, you know how I uh, I always do. Just a big party. You know. It's, uh, yes. It's, it's a good time. It's a great time. Um, and and here party we are today. Animal. That's me. But yes, today we're going to be discussing a um, a bit of a retro e kind of game, I suppose. Sort of. Sort sort of N- new but old, old but new. But uh, yes, today we're going to be discussing the 2017 game uh, Crash the Insane Trilogy. We're going all the way back to the year. All the way back to 2017. 2017. To play some games from the 90s. So Crash the Insane Trilogy was developed by Vicarious Visions and published by Activision and has a meta score of 80. Now, anyone that's 83? No, three. Ah, right, I understand. Got me very confused there. I, I, I wasn't sure what was going on. But we, it's all good. Um, <laughs> but yes, we um, th- th- these are remakes of games from the, the 1990s. Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot, uh, Cortex Strikes Back, and Crash 3. Warped. Uh, warped, that's it, yes, correct. Good job you know what they're called. So yeah, these are remakes of games that I grew up playing on the uh, the original PlayStation. Now, as uh, as usual, we will go with the um, the reviews first. Now, with um, with this, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give the most favourable critic review and then the least favourable user yeah. review. Okay. Um, so just just to keep it keep it nice and tight. Yeah. So we are going to start with uh, the critic review. And this isn't the highest review, but I always go for the one that's probably you know a, a good, good, good bit, of, good bit of text. So the top critic review, just for interest, is a hundred by Gaming Age. But we're going to Attack of the Fanboy, an outlet I've not heard of, um, but no, they I've gave heard, it a ninety. I've heard of both of them. So Attack of the Fanboy say Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy is a fantastic remake of some of the best platformers of all time. The new visual polish looks great on PS4, though you might get frustrated by the dated gameplay at times. Powering through will show why these games were so beloved 20 years ago. So that's uh, that's Attack of the Fanboy there with a, a score of 90. Now, the lowest user, again, not the lowest, but, you know, I, I feel that a... Um, balanced low uh, user score. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the, the top one has lots of swear words in it. Um, and that's that's not really our brand, is it? We, uh, we we don't do swearing so much on this podcast. So we are going to user Puya underscore OA. Great name. Uh, your your alter ego, I believe, if I'm yes, uh, not mistaken. This is me. Uh, but Puya underscore OA gave the game a score of four, and they say 
Good idea to remaster this game, but disappointing. The main issue is the mechanics. The developers wanted to make the game more challenging, but instead they made it annoying and frustrating. Especially the jump! You lose even on a single jump in the game. Forget about the boxes. Why? A jump? And that's uh, that's that's Puya giving a, a score of four. Um, which I I do understand the criticisms for this uh, this game, but I will um, I will pose the question to you: What is your history with this game or with the original Crash games, and where did you play it? Um, I think I must have encountered these in the nineties. I have some vague memories of maybe playing these around someone's house. I was uh, a child that did not have a PlayStation. I had a Nintendo 64, so we we never had it um, in our house, but um, I think I played it somewhere. I'm sure I did. Um, Apart from that, obviously aware of these games, and I think I sat down and played them properly um, with you at university um, in third year. You On my PS3. Yeah, you, you said, oh, see what you think of these. Um, but I don't know if you were testing me or... Um, so I start, I, I think I played... <clears throat> I actually played all three um, in that period of time. And I got to varying levels of progress on each of them. So I think I got the furthest in Crash 1. But I played a bit of Crash 2 and 3 as well. I also dabbled with some other games that may be coming up on this list um on your side at that time too. Yes. Um so yeah, that was where I first sat down and played them properly and I did uh, get a decent chunk of the way through one. Um and then I played Crash 1 again because there's a cameo in Uncharted 4. Yes, um, indeed. So I played it there a bit again. Um, and obviously I was very aware of the Insane trilogy coming out, saw all the coverage of that and picked it up on the Switch for this playthrough. Um, yeah, I've got stuff to say. Well, the, the, the reason, we should probably note, the reason that it's included in um, Uncharted 4 is because the original Crash Naughty Bandicoot Dog. games were developed by Naughty Dog um, before they were, you know, Naughty Dog of Uncharted and The Last of Us. They were putting together platformers in the 1990s um but yeah so my my history with this game is a little bit more um streamlined i suppose i like i remember playing these games when i was a kid and we've we've said it quite a few times on the podcast over the years haven't we that um really kind of you and me were different sides of the same coin in terms of you grew up when you were a lot younger primarily with nintendo um in the ps1 nintendo 64 era until you yeah. got a PS2, and I primarily mm-hmm. grew up. Well, no, not primarily. I did grow up with a PS1. Uh, I didn't have an N64 until a lot later. So, whilst you were playing Mario 64, I would have been playing Crash Bandicoot. Um, both platformers, both very well known. Um, and I've played Crash One, Two, and Three numerous times. Um, I've never really played the others that came after it, other than the uh, the kart racing game, which is quite good. And Crash then I Team know, Racing. yes, Crash Team Racing, which I've got on the Switch. And then I know about two years ago, um, they released Crash, Crash Bandicoot 4. 4. 
um, about time. It's about time, yeah. Which I've not played. Apparently, it's very hard. Like these, these games are to some extent devilishly difficult. I'd say, um, and I think the original versions on the PS One are probably a little bit easier. Um, as our good friend Puya noted in the user review, it does feel like there's been some difficulty added into these games that maybe weren't there back in the day, perhaps. Um, but I played a mix of this. I played this on Switch. And I also played this on PlayStation as I've got it on both versions, um, the PS4 version on my PS5. So I wanted to just touch on, we, we've touched a few times on um, when we discussed Sonic and when we've discussed Mario, um, the rivalry in the 90s between Sonic and Mario. But when the PlayStation came out, um, Crash became the big, um, I'd say became the mascot for PlayStation in the early days, Crash Bandicoot, and then later, a couple of years later, perhaps he Spyro the Dragon. Animal mascot. Um, obviously, you had Lara Croft yep. also on Sega as well. But um, yeah, you, you had Lara Croft that was kind of synonymous with PlayStation yes, as well. Yes, 100%. Um, and we'll, we'll discuss the media storm around Lara Croft in a few weeks. Um, but with with Crash, I, I I've seen a lot of adverts, and when you watch reviews of the old Crash games, of um, a, a guy dressed up in a uh, a Crash outfit outside the, the the offices of Nintendo of America with a megaphone, um, you know, saying, "Come on, plumber boy, come outside, let's have a fight," and getting escorted off the premises by Nintendo security. Um, they did try to make a bit of a rivalry between Crash and Mario, which I, I don't really think immature now, does it? Yeah, oh, 100%. And um, just a, a fun little tidbit for you, because when they first made Crash, they weren't really sure what animal to make it. Very similar to when they first made Sonic. Uh, they, they weren't sure what animal they were going to go with. And because Sonic was a 2D platformer at the time this came out, this this wasn't unheard of, you know, 3D platformers, because, you know, Mario 64... Uh, came out no, but Mario, so time. I believe Crash 1 came out, did it come out a couple of weeks before or a couple yeah. of months before or a couple of months I after? Think so. I can't remember. I think just before Mario 64. It was around the yeah. same time, but it was just before then. And before they gave it a name, which obviously became Crash Bandicoot, they weren't really sure what to call it. And because it was a platformer that was primarily taking place behind the character, uh, for quite a while it was called, uh, within Naughty Dog, they called it Sonic's Ass Game. Um, because you're looking at uh, Crash Bandicoot's ass, so nice little bit of uh, nice little bit of trivia for you there. I'm sure you uh, sure you enjoyed that. Nice but uh, what what what, what do you do in these games? The <laughs> <laughs> what, what 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 do you do in these games? Like we said, the the Insane trilogy uh, covers the original Crash uh, trilogy, so Crash one, two, and three. So what what do you do in these games? What's the the plot? I suppose. Do you want the plot or what you do? Give me both. Give me the plot first. <laughs> the plot is to uh, defeat Professor... Is it Professor Neocortex? Yeah. Um, and that's basically the same for all three games. He keeps making various comebacks. Um, manipulates somehow every time Crash along the way. And then Crash ends up undoing him. And that's that's really it. Um <laughs> Pretty much, and so, so that's the plot. I mean, these are these are Mario level plots here. Um, and in terms of what you do, it's every level you'll be getting from A to B. Um, sometimes it will be 
a side-on game, side-scroller. Sometimes it will be um, Crash running towards the camera. Sometimes it will be Crash running away from the camera. Um, and basically the variations of that. So within that you can jump um, from platform to platform as this is a platformer, um, a pure platformer. And uh, you can you can use a spin attack to take out enemies. Um, there's a live system in play. There's also a damage system in play. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the difficulty comes from. Um, and that's that's really about it across the three games. And then you also have some vehicular levels um, within Crash 2 and 3. Um, and Crash 1. Oh, yeah. So you, you ride... The hog. Hog 1. Yes. Yeah. You've got in Crash 1, it's a, it's a hog. In Crash 2, it's a polar bear. And in Crash 3, it's a motorbike. Um, which the, and, a, and a tiger, actually, when you play as Coco. Um, and you've got the jet ski. And the jet ski, quite right. Yeah, so there, there's quite and a lot of variation the, um, in these games. you've got the underwater levels, haven't you? Yes. So there is quite a bit of variation here. There, there are elements of um, collectibles in this game. So as you go through, there are boxes to break. And um, a lot of people think they're apples, but they're called Wumper Fruits. If you get uh, 100 Wumper Fruits, then you get an extra life. Uh, and at the end of each level, um, you can get a gem dependent on if you've um, broken enough boxes. And the more gems that you collect, you can unlock uh, different endings to the game and extra levels and hidden areas and previous levels, etc. Um, and there is quite a large community of people that try to speedrun these games um, for the gems, for the time crystals. Um, it, it, like When I think of gems in emeralds obviously i think of sonic but i do very much think of the ps1 era as well um you know crash bandicoot collecting gems and crystals the save crystals in the lara croft games it seemed like crystals were a big element of the playstation one era um yeah i I don't know it's just one of those things that whenever i collect one of those gems or whatever it gives me a bit of a, a hit of nostalgia. And as with a lot of the games that we've talked about in these 15 that we're doing each, a lot of my games are fueled by nostalgia, really. Um, not so much on always on quality. Um, and, you know, we, we, we said it in the, in the last game that we discussed, that you and me, we've realised have quite different tastes in video games. Um, and I think it probably shows maybe from our formative years of gaming, of me I don't being think a PlayStation it's, uh, kid, I, I being think, a Nintendo kid, maybe. And Sega, obviously, for myself. I think it's um, it's not to do with what games we like, but it's, it's maybe to do with what games we value in terms of rating them. Yeah. Obviously, this, this list of 15 um, that we were putting together each was games that we would propose for the... Uh, best games of all time, but also games that we wanted the other person to play. I think um, it's, various... it's become more of the latter. Yeah, yeah. I think it has for me anyway. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, that's perfectly fine. One. Yeah, and, and, and I don't... I don't... I think... I'm... I, I went through my list beforehand and, and I, I kind of um, eliminated some things. I was quite really ruthless with my list and then... But but I think you like you say you went for for the nostalgia games and that that was the way that you valued them and and that's fine that's the, just a different way of doing it isn't it? 
It is. Something that um, I thought about when I was kind of writing the notes out for this episode is, um, and it kind of links in with the question of the week, um, but something that I thought about was kind of the, the games of the platformers that you and me played when we were younger. Obviously, you, you played Mario 64 a bit. Um, and other games like Banjo Kazooie. Banjo Kazooie, yeah, a lot. But, they, they, they were better than well, Mario for me. I was, I was, I was, I was comparing Banjo mm. to to Crash when I was kind of putting the list together and coming up with the question of the week. But like thinking about it just now while we're talking, really, Crash and Banjo aren't the same at all because Crash Bandicoot no. is just a platformer, whereas and there are collect like collectible elements to Crash, whereas Banjo Kazooie. Is more of a collectathon with platforming elements. It's kind of switched, if you know what I mean. Same with um, Donkey Kong sixty four, um, and to some extent Mario. They're both platformers, but Crash has. No, I'd more say on I'd say Mario is um, a platformer, a three D platformer. I would agree that the rare platformers... an open world platformer, isn't it, Mario? Whereas Crash is, yeah, it? yeah. Whereas I'd say that I'd, I'd agree that the. Um, the rare platformers, i.e. Um, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, and Donkey Kong 64, as you say, they were collectathons. However, um, they they got they varying levels of success in terms of hitting that sweet spot for a collectathon. Um, well, I know that Donkey Kong 64 took it too far. Is excessive. Yeah, I'm, I was I was about to mention one of my. Um... One of my favourite YouTubers. I've um I've sent you a couple of his videos. The one where he talks about um, oh, bloody hell that game where there's the plague, um, para oh, pathologic pathologic. Uh, so yeah, one of probably my favourite YouTuber of the last few years, a, a guy called H Bomber Guy. Um, he did a video on a game called Pathologic, which was very interesting. But he also did um a video on speedrunning. And in that, he talks about how he wanted to 100% um, Donkey Kong 64. And he did like a, a charity stream of him 100%ing Donkey Kong 64. And I think it took him a couple of days because it's such a massive game. I've never played it. Um, but I know that that game is infamous in the community for just being a slog to get through. Um, despite it maybe being fun, but like you say, it, it feels like Rare maybe took it a little bit too far. In yeah, the, that um, one is not um, held in such high regard. Whereas, I I still believe that Banjo Kazooie and Tui, and they have a reputation of being so. Yeah. Um, they are great um, platform collectathons. Yeah, I've played I've, I've played Banjo Kazooie. I don't think I ever played Banjo Tui, but I remember a kid um, I went to school with loved the Banjo games. Um, and then obviously the the one that came after that, kind of the spiritual successor in like twenty eighteen, maybe uh, being Ukulele. Um, but well, yeah, it was also Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Yeah, it was like a car rare. racer, wasn't it? Um, no, it was. A, it was you. You built vehicles. It was. It was again similar. It wasn't world anything like had, the originals, was it? No, it was. So you had this world structure that was similar to the originals, but within that, you had this ability where you could put together any vehicle, and that kind of vastly expanded what you could do. So it kind of changed evolved uh, or devolved depending on your opinion the mm-hmm. um the gameplay but a lot of the um a lot of the walking around as as banjo and, and kazooie 
was was taken out. A lot of the moves that you could do were, were replaced by these vehicular yeah. um, stuff. So, yeah, it was a different game. But when you play it, you can see the Banjo-Kazooie lineage. Because I, I, that, that game wasn't very widely received well was it like uh, it was, i think a lot was, of people it thought was, it was okay, okay but it's just so it was, different from what banjo it wasn't banjo the nines were. and tens the banjo kazooie and two he got but i think it got like sevens and eights yeah it's um a, a bit of a different path that it went down but but tried to keep some of the yeah i, I don't quite know the why heritage. they chose to go down that path given they, how successful they had a, the other ones were yeah yeah it's odd yeah, that's that's um, rare under Microsoft in a nutshell, though, isn't it? Um, mm. And I'm sure that we'll, we'll discuss rare in more um, depth. Well, we, we've talked about point. them before with, with, with GoldenEye with and Goldeneye. Uh, Perfect Dark. I um, mean, they were a, a, a truly masterful developer at one point. Conker's Bad Fur Day, the most expensive game, game I've game ever well. seen in the wild on the N64. I saw it boxed. Um, for about 450 quid in uh, in CEX. Uh, for, for any of our international listeners, CEX is a bit like um, what I imagine GameStop's like in the US, maybe. Yeah, um, trading games, and then you can buy pre-owned games and yeah, store credit, credit or trading money. games and yes, quite. Yes. Um, so I wanted to touch on before we get to gameplay as king we've discussed that this uh the insane trilogy is a pack it's uh, the original three crash games remade now as you go through the games you do see the quality of life improving with the improvements that they made from the original trilogy when they first came out now crash one is obviously the, the most basic one um it's the most kind of just bare bones i'd say Whereas Crash 2 increases on elements and then Crash 3 doesn't perfect it, but it gets a lot more elements involved, you know, like um, the double jump and the double spin and the the Wumper Fruit Bazooka, uh, which helps you hit things from far away. So in terms of the trilogy, because you've kind of been talking to me a little bit throughout, we, like, we've, we've not really spoken as much over the last few weeks. We've both been quite busy. Um, but we did speak a lot when, when, when I was playing this game. Yes, um, and it's quite a while ago now that I it is. finished this. And you had quite mixed feelings about it, but I think you felt that they primarily improved as it went along. But which was your favourite game out of the trilogy? Um, it's still a flawed game, but uh, mm-hmm. Warped was yeah. the, the, the which best is the one third. for me. And, and the reason for that is, um, you can call it quality of life improvements, it's sort of smoothed out the rough edges of the yep. previous two games and became more playable. Um, and I know that these games have their, their fans and um, and some people find Crash 1 very playable and Crash 2 very playable, so on, so on. But for a newcomer to the series, um, which I do class myself as, yeah, it, it, was, um, it was Warped, definitely. Yeah, I, I think that Warped is probably the best one. Um, and I, I said to you when we when um, when we were playing through it, I said to you, I was like, don't worry about Crash Two as much if you don't want to complete it because controversial opinion. I know a lot of people love Crash Two. I really don't like Crash Two like at all. Um, the only good parts of Crash Two, I feel, are the um, the polar bear um, levels, and even then, like they're not that great. Um, but for me, Crash Three is probably the best one. 
but I do also have a very soft spot for Crash One, and I think it's that is primarily nostalgia fueled. And you know, we we discussed it when we talked about uh, Metal Gear Solid, the the original one. Um, my first time playing that was on a demo disc at my dad's, and I'm pretty sure my first experience of Crash Bandicoot was um, at my dad's as well on a demo disc from PlayStation Magazine, and it was the level Jungle Rollers from. Uh, crash one which is like the third level i think and then a little bonus section where you go up into the trees to crack the boxes and um try and save your girlfriend before cortex steals her again um and i think that crash one's got a very very special place in my heart but i i have to agree with you that the best one is um crash 3 also with the most variation and levels as well which i um, I think is important i completed all of them and and for me i think they got gradually better so Two was better than one, and three was better than two. Yeah, I I, I, I get that, and it, it does make sense. So if we talk about the improvements, etc., we, we kind of move on to gameplay as king. So firstly, did you think that these games were fun? Um, fun is not the word I'd use. Um, you would use the word frustrating, I believe. Um... Yeah, I they, I did find it frustrating. There were times when I was really frustrated. And sometimes you'd have, especially in the latter games, a smooth level and you get through it quite easily and it feels a bit painless and you think, okay, I can, I can understand the sort of arcade appeal of this. Yeah. And then you'll hit a level, like, for example... Um, trying to think what it's called now um slippery climb on in yep. crash one and yeah you'll end up just headbutting a wall so i um you, you I was, like the um you like the bridge level as well didn't you well i used the the, the gimmick on the bridge level the, which was um the, the running along the, the guardrails yeah um so i think i probably found that a lot um less painful than other people did i with some of the levels, especially some of the more notorious levels, I would look um, at videos of the gameplay online and you will see a, a stream of comments from people commenting on um, the frustrations and not getting any further than a certain level and the difficulty. And um, I, I don't think these games are as difficult as I thought they were. And I don't think these games are as difficult as people make out. However, they're definitely, generally speaking, quite challenging games. It's, it's in comparison to, to the originals, I find. The the remake okay. is a lot harder than the originals, I think. Because I remember when I first played this in 2017, I think I pre-ordered it and it arrived. I turned on, I was like, oh, this will be great. And within like half an hour, I was raging. So I was like, this, these <laughs> games were never this hard. I feel that the difficulty was spiked by things like the um, the jumping mechanics being changed. Yeah, slightly. I hope we'll talk about that uh, a bit about because I know a bit about that stuff, and I'm sure you know more than I do. So perhaps. Okay. Did you have any favourite levels? Because we 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 would usually go favourite move or whatever, but it's a platformer. So were there any favourite levels that stood out to you across the trilogy? Now, one thing that the game does, probably to their detriment, is they kind of have these skins for levels yeah. and all of them do this 
Um, you've got your skins, so for example, outside the castle walls, and there'll be about three or four levels with that skin. Yeah. Um, you've got your jungle levels, there'll be about three or four levels with that skin, mm -hmm. and so on and so on. Um, and they all do it, and they all have different skins that they kind of repeat. Um, I get it, it's, they're older games, they were made more quickly, um, but when you get to the third or fourth time playing a skin, you kind of think, wow, this is familiar. Um, yeah. My favourite skin for a level, I'd say, was the sort of fairy tale one from Crash Warped. Yeah. When you're yeah. approaching the castle and walking past all the villages across the bridges. The knights. I don't know, the, I like uh, music the wizards there. and the frogs. Yeah, and it's very, the, the graphics are very punchy. I like the music and... Yeah. There's just something that taps into um, my imagination, I'd say, for that for that theme. Um, they, they they do overdo it like they do with every theme in this game or in these games. But yeah, that's probably what I'd say. Um, so I, I I've noted those ones down as well as some of my favourites. So I've noted that the the medieval slash fairy tale ones from Crash yeah, Three yeah. I really enjoy. Um, I quite enjoy the um, the levels on the Great Wall of China. As well, when you're Coco or yeah, Tiger, good. Um, but the, the my favourite level out of all the Crash games, and it's a very simple, just kind of non-level, but it's because of the demo that I played when I was a kid is like the third level in Crash One or the second level Jungle Rollers. Um, I think it's the nostalgia primarily and the music of that level that I love. Is um, that is that with the boulders? Uh, no, it's the one where. Uh, you're going up the jungle, and then like you'll you'll come across those like little circular disc things that are rolling from left to right. Oh yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah. The first level that you come across those, um, but I think it's the music primarily in that level that um, really gets the the nostalgia endorphins shooting. Um, so let's discuss the look and the sound of this game. Um, what are your thoughts on the the look first of all? Well, this is where I'll be very. Complimentary. Obviously, I'm talking about the Insane Trilogy. Yes. Um, and I played this on Switch, and I didn't l expect it to look... Uh, obviously, I knew it would be downgraded from the other versions. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect it to look as good as it would do, or that it, as it did on Switch. Mm -hmm. I played it on the OLED, and obviously, the, the colours really pop. They pop. Um, it's a nice-looking game on the Switch, and I think also the soundtrack is quite strong. So those two things in combination, um, really quite a double hitter. So I think those levels, like you mentioned, Great Wall of China, um, the medieval slash fairy tale level, they look like um, there are some levels in the Mario games which are like food levels, like candy levels and stuff like yeah. that, and um, you kind of want to eat them. I don't know what that is, what that feeling is, but these mm. games... They they feel edible in that same sort of way. Um, edible level, just like just like a sugar cane of sweetness and sugariness, and yeah, yeah. but in the best possible way. Um, so that's a compliment, a real compliment for these games, I think. No, I, I I get that. I um I really I really love the music in these games. I think the music is probably the best element of them. Um, and as well as that, I I I did want to touch on um the bosses. So you don't really get games that much nowadays with bosses or boss levels and a few bosses in the the trilogy kind of make returns were there any kind of standout bosses to you that you liked or you liked the design of or or the levels of at all um 
There not is a especially. right. There is a right answer here. Uh, not especially. Uh, the on, the only ones that I found were quite fun in Warped were, um, you've kind of got these like Star Fox sort of shooter levels with. It's not. Um, it's not Neo Cortex. It's the guy before him. Embryo. Mad. Yeah, that's him. Uh, and he's he's sort of a robot, and you're yeah. shooting things. They're they're pretty fun to do. Um, yeah. No, that's that. Apart from that, that's not fine. Really much. The 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 correct answer was uh, Ripperoo. Um, <laughs> right. The uh, the weird, crazy kangaroo thing. Um, a lot of the bosses from Crash One don't um, don't make a return, um, but Ripperoo is a standout for me. And um, Pinstripe, I think he's called Pinstripe as well. The the one in Crash One that he's got like the Tommy gun. He's like the gangster. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but yeah, so one more thing that I wanted to briefly touch on, which I don't think that you did in the end um, for reasons no, of your sanity, this is. Uh, was Stormy Ascent. So in the original Crash games, they removed a level called Stormy Ascent. Uh, they removed it because they said it was too hard and they did include it in the Insane Trilogy for people to try out. Now, I've, I've completed the Insane Trilogy a few times. I've done all the levels. However, I've never completed Stormy Ascent. Um, I don't have the patience for it. And I, I don't think you did in the end, but did you did you try Stormy Ascent at all? No. <laughs> for for reasons of sanity? Didn't even attempt it. That's understandable. Um, for anyone that has not played these games that's interested, it's worth having a look at Stormy Ascent or even watching people play it on YouTube just to see the frustration um, because it is uh, an exceptionally difficult level um, and watching people do it in speedruns to get the... Um, the relic, the time relic, is uh, is quite an impressive feat. Um, so that's one to look out for. So uh, moving on to the question of the week, what I wanted to ask here is, um, and it's kind of I put down ukulele and banjo, but I'm going to remove that element from the question. Um, but why do you think that we don't see platformers like these nowadays, uh, primarily from AAA? publishers because you, you you occasionally see indie developers create games like yeah, this but why do, don't we yeah. why don't we really see AAA publishers making games like this anymore obviously crash 4 about time came out a couple of years ago um i don't think it was huge but it, it, it's got its fans but you don't really see games like this anymore do you other than the mario games i don't my immediate thought is and feel free to challenge me on this but i don't feel like you could release a game like this as a AAA publisher in the year 2024. In this economy. Yeah, well, well, games take a lot longer to make. We're also in the open world, um, getting time in the game for your money sort of uh, mentality. So most games are um, open world to a degree nowadays. Um, many gamers, and I think wrongly, um, again controversial um i think we have this thing where we're so concerned about the money that we spend and having a long game um to to play as a result of that money being spent yeah i often will prefer a shorter game not necessarily a really short game but a shorter game um because it feels more manageable certainly playing this list we both um find that those shorter games are, are ones to look forward to in a way because yeah, we they can, give you a bit actually, of breathing room. Yeah, that's um, it. So 
a game like Crash that was developed under completely different parameters. It's a smaller game with some repeated elements. For example, the boulders that you get within Crash 1, you get yeah. about three or four levels again um, with that same theme. Um, and I imagine produced within quite a short time frame. And I mean, the length of all three games is about, I think probably 20 hours. So they're not hugely long games in and of themselves. Obviously there is replayability in collecting those things if you want to do that. Um, I just think that if a game like that released now that wasn't under the Crash banner or another well-known banner, um, people would question the value proposition of it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think there are a lot of indie games doing it and there's nothing wrong with that. That's where these games fall now and I think that's quite a good place for them. And arguably the indie games tend to do some of this stuff better. Um yeah. So I think that's a nice home for them. Um, but you never know. Might be surprised. Might get some. It's always a nice surprise when we get 2D Mario come out. Um, I think. And, and it's nice to get 3D Mario as well. But it's nice that they continue those games and, and that Nintendo sticks for that, to that yeah, Nint- formula Nintendo, every again. Nintendo, really, they do their own thing, don't they? They don't follow the trends too much of the, yeah. the gaming market. Yeah. Uh, th- Listening to you talk, it kind of I I um I, I I saw my dad yesterday, and we um since I've got into football, we've started going to the football together, and it's quite nice. And it made me think of something I was talking to about my dad, um, or with my dad yesterday, talking about um people's expectations against the past, and I I know that you know this is something that I've relatively um only in the last year or so got started getting into and you're you're not interested in football at all but What's football sorry is that the the, the one where they throw the, the super bowl the super is that the bowl one they use bats that's the one correct yeah that's it with the the the, the, the golf bat i think that's what uh, that's what football is um but both me and my dad are, are chelsea fans and chelsea aren't as good as they were about 10 years ago and a lot of people around the Chelsea fan base are kicking off and moaning that we're not as good as we once were. And that because we did used to be a fantastic team, we have the right to still be seen as that. And me and him were talking yesterday about how times change and trends change with it, but people's opinions and thoughts sometimes stay the same when really they shouldn't. And it's made me just now think about this conversation with Crash. Because when I put this that question together, you know, why don't we see platformers like this these days? It kind of, I was writing that question as, you know, maybe we should still be seeing, you know, games like that these days. Why, why wouldn't we? But I think you made a good point there where you say that kind of times change. And with that, you know, the, the kind of things that we expect and want from gaming companies changes alongside with it. And like we said, in, indie developers are still making games like this. And to some extent, they make them better than what AAA um, companies will. And Crash Bandicoot and you know the original Sonic games and Mario 64, etc. They came out when the gaming industry was still quite young. Not young, but like the what the game industry has become well, now. 3D gaming was certainly yeah. young. And these games were for that period. Whereas we've moved past that now. We don't. We don't need to go back to that 
like for people like us, it's nice because we played those games back in the day. But for for the youth of today, I suppose it isn't what they want to play, really. Like uh, as a as a majority, anyway. I'm not obviously not speaking for everyone there, but um, you know, it isn't the demographic that plays games. They want to play games like you know Fortnite and Call of Duty, the things that are popular in FIFA, which is you know which is fine, but. I guess I, I've kind of come to a realization whilst you were talking there and having this conversation that we, we're kind of past these games now. The, these are something of a, a bygone era, I guess. Um, I think it plays out in in the um, obviously the Insane Trilogy came out for, for those months. I'd say probably a good six months. It was on everyone's lips 100%. and it was huge. And it because sold, of nostalgia, I think it sold bucket loads. It did. Um, and inevitably, you started getting the questions from certain people. Oh, when are we going to get a new one? And then the new one came out, and there was no, um, there was no real conversation about it. Well, it didn't sell anywhere near as well as the uh, the trilogy. And I, I, I think it's interesting because this game came out first, and then a couple of years later, a year or so later, maybe. Uh, they said, oh, you know what? We're going to do the same as what we did with the Insane Trilogy, but for Spyro. Yeah. And, I mean, Spyro and Crash, I kind of put them level together as, um, you know, popularity. I think that Spyro and Crash are as popular as each other and they're kind of interwoven with each other, Crash and Spyro. But... I don't think that the the Spyro, uh, what was it called, the Reignited trilogy. I don't think that did as well as the Crash Insane trilogy. No, it didn't. I don't think. Um, I'm sure. I'm it not sure. In fact, I'm I'm not too sure why because Spyro was you know almost bigger than Crash. As an outsider, mm. I think I think Crash was bigger than Spyro. It's more well known. Um, yeah, more well known. It had that figurehead position as the animal mascot of choice. Um, and it had the benefit of its developer going on to do some massive games. So you always kindly fo- kind of fondly remember the yeah. Naughty Dog games. Um, I don't but, know who... But, but same, same with Spyro. Uh, Spyro was developed by Insomniac. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, well, that, well, there you go. I didn't even know that. So so that, that says something right there. Um I, I like the look of the Spyro games. Um, I think probably I'd enjoy them more than the Crash games, actually playing them. Um, but, yeah, there, there certainly wasn't the same level of conversation at the time. Uh, I don't know why, either, I suppose. It might it might be something that I, um, I get us to go through with the Spyro games, because they are fun. Um, and, you know, like Insomniac, not as big as Naughty Dog, but they are still a very big, yeah. famous... Sony publisher, um, and you know I, I I like the Spyro games so much that I called my cat Spyro. Um, you know I, I to I me think, the Spyro yeah. games always seemed a bit more focused towards younger children. Yes, yeah, a hundred percent, and that, they're true. they're more they're more of a collectathon as well, a bit more open worldy. Okay. Um, however. I've got the Reignited trilogy, but I've only ever played Spyro 1. I've never played Spyro 2 or 3. Um, I didn't even know there were three of them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the, the the reignited trilogy is exactly the same as the Crash trilogy, but just the the original three Spyro games, um, which you know I think is um, is quite cool. And, and one of the big things about Spyro as well, and like I say, maybe we will talk about the Spyro games at some point. But the um, the the composer for the because the, the music in Spyro is superb. Um, I really like the Spyro music, and I think a big uh, big reason for that is that the um, the, the the person in charge of the music, the um, the composer for for Spyro, is Stuart Copeland, who was the um, he was the drummer for the band The Police. Um, yeah. So they actually had like an actual rock star uh, composing the music for Spyro, which you don't really see that much um, no. at the time or, or or since, other than Michael Jackson doing the music for uh for Sonic 3 and a few bits and bobs didn't, here and um, there. Nine Inch Nails do the, the music for Quake 2. Oh, they did, didn't we? We discussed that during... Uh, yeah. Bloody, I, I don't even remember talking about the Quake game. It sounds... It seems so, so a long time ago. ago now. It was. We've slept several several sleeps. Um, But yeah, so that kind of wraps us up with with Crash. They're, they're, they're an interesting time relic, if you'll pardon the pun in terms of the, the relics that you collect in the games. But, um, yeah, do, do you think that the Crash games deserve a place in the top 100 uh, or, or, or deserve to be part of the conversation? Because even though you didn't like them, I feel that there's there's an important element with these games. Um, I don't think they deserve to be there. No? Um, no. And I think I was led to question... So, so basically, the, the, there's a conversation around the challenge of these games. Yeah. And obviously, people talk about the new games and they talk about the, the hitboxes and the fact that Crash will slip off um, platforms from time to time. Uh-huh. This is really obvious in the in the bridge level where you can stand on the, the yeah, side rails. Yeah. But you will sometimes slip off them. Um, and... One thing I noticed when I was watching videos of people playing this these games is those very skilled gamers that do know these levels inside out and have played them a hell of a lot and can get through the levels very quickly, they were not immune to dying. And No, absolutely. And I saw them dying um, a fair few times within those playthroughs and... I would expect someone that was an expert on a game that um, had played it so much, I would expect that they would kind of know what they can and can't do within the parameters of the game. Yeah. And it's not, to, there's nothing against those people playing. It's the random nature of the Crash game sometimes. And what I feel is sometimes a lack of precision in the platforming. Mm-hmm. And. Lots of people say in terms of the challenge, oh, you get used to that. And you do. You certainly do. When you first play Crash 1 and you get to some of the difficult levels, some of the most difficult times I had with this game was um, maybe about around level 10 in Crash 1 where the difficulty ramps up and you're still not that familiar with the game. So you kind of hit a bit of a brick wall and then you get past it and you start to get used to the mechanics of the games and they become a bit easier. Mm. Um it's definitely true that that happens, but they still lack a bit of precision for me. And I get that. The camera really bothers me in some of these levels. The side-scrolling levels are the are the, are the better ones because 
there's generally no depth speaking, of you perspective. Can, yeah, exactly. You can see what you're doing, and there's no yeah, there's no um, uh, depth correction needed or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the ones where you're the, the ones I found hardest, funnily enough, were the ones where you're jumping forward away from the camera. Yes. Um, so some of those platforms, especially in some of the levels where it's quite dark, mm-hmm. it just feels like you're doing the jump the same and you landed it last time, but you didn't land it this time. Yeah. And that can be a bit frustrating. I think, and obviously we didn't play the, the older versions of these games and, and I I agree that probably the older versions of the, these games um, were not as challenging. But I feel like from the conversation, there was always a bit of lack of precision in these games. And I just feel like there are so, so many good platformers out there that haven't got a mention on this list, that haven't got a mention from either of us, um, that probably deserve that place more than Crash does because Mm -hmm. they do the platforming bit better. And that's not to take away any of the visuals, the soundtrack, um, the impact of Crash, the fact that it is this this, um, product that people love, people feel very nostalgic for. Um, But if you're just talking about the gameplay alone, which for a platformer, I think needs to be just right. Um, I think there are too many games that do it better than Crash. And that may be a controversial opinion, but... um, That's fair. I'd be intrigued to know what the critics of the original game positively and negatively said and where that sort of landed. Particularly Crash Bandicoot uh, 1 came out very early on in the um, in, in the PlayStation lifecycle. I think the original Crash came out in maybe 95 or 96 perhaps. I thought it was 94. Um, well, I can see that if I'm looking on... Metacritic right to this very there we go maybe not so Crash Bandicoot came out in August 1996 oh okay but it doesn't have an aggregate review on um, on Metacritic but yeah it's only got it's only got user reviews okay but if we look at um, Crash Warped which is on here which came out in 1998 that has an aggregate score of 91 um, from 12 critic reviews and if we have a very quick look at one of the critic reviews uh, GamePro gave it a 100 and saying a very strong contender for PlayStation game of the year it's rowdy rowdy gameplay will keep your head spinning for days and official US PlayStation magazine gave it a 100 and say as some would argue the best 2.5D platformer ever released and yeah these, these reviews came out in 98 so very, very different. It's like we say that the problem we have with this podcast is that we're talking a lot with hindsight and we're talking yeah. as people who have been spoiled by the current um, generation of games being so much further ahead than the, the, the era that the games that we're talking about came out in. Um, I think it was always going to be difficult for Crash and I think it may, maybe my opinion was always swayed a bit by this was the fact that it did come out so close to Mario 64. Yeah, um, I get that. And if you look at those two games, I'd say the camera for both of them has aged horribly, but the scope and what Mario 64 did and the impact that that had on everything is unprecedented. You see, and... I, I, th- I think a lot of it comes down to 
um, your experiences with these games as well. Because, I mean, it, it's almost funny how much I disliked Mario 64 when we talked about it in the episode. I really didn't like it at all. And I think that quite a, a big element of these games that we talk about comes back to what our experiences with them are as a kid. And it goes back to one of the very early episodes that we did uh, before we even played Metal Gear Solid. But I talked about when my um, my, my old housemate James played Metal Gear Solid 1 and he couldn't make it out of the, the dock area because he just couldn't get it. Whereas for me, it was second nature and I couldn't get why he struggled with it. And I think that with Mario 64, because I didn't play it when I was a kid, I just could not get my head around it. And well, I think that camera... Probably, the, oh, the camera's terrible. Horribly. Terrible. Yeah. But the the gameplay as well, I just, I just didn't I just didn't get it, and I think it's probably the same with Crash. That if you didn't have a a relationship with these games when you were younger, it isn't just it isn't something that you can click with. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Not 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 to, not to say that and it take away any criticism because this isn't a perfect game and there definitely is criticism to be leveled at it. But I think that going back and playing a game that's quite old, even though this game came out in 2017 that we're talking about being the Insane Trilogy remake, I think that there there has to be that element of it there. You know, you, you, I don't think you can ever appreciate a game as much as you can if you played it when you were a kid. And of course, there's an element of course. Of, it... Same with Final Fantasy VII when we played that, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that you, you when you played that, you you did a lot better with it than I thought you would and you didn't hate it as much as I thought you would because of how aged it is. Um, and I think it's the same with Crash, despite the the new coat of paint that Vicarious Vision has put on the, the trilogy. Um, it is a, it is an old game and it is a very aged concept, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think... I mean, in terms of Mario 64 and this... Mm. Mario 64 did um, and what what I always found confusing was why the following Crash games didn't take a bit of a leaf out of that book in terms of and I know they were doing different things but Mario 64 was 3D gotten right and almost every game afterwards took something from that including Zelda Ocarina of Time yeah um, and it was so important for that reason so even if it's not the best game, which I don't think it is. No, no, no. Of course. I just, I just think, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that the Crash games were ever that good, um, and that, that, that's I think where my sticking point is. That's fair enough. I think um, it would be interesting if we do come to play the Spyro games to get your opinion on those. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by those. I don't, I don't have any negative, no, disposition to those. You're going in entirely neutral. And I didn't have any negative disposition towards Crash when I no. first played it. It's just that when I first played it, I found it frustrating. That's fair enough. Um, wait until we get to Cuphead. Well, I'm not looking forward to that. I think you're a liar. I think you are looking forward to it. Um, too many side scrollers. <laughs> yes, that's right. Did you unlock the... Um, the? Obviously, you can play as his sister at yeah. different uh, parts again. Did you unlock the third character, Mr. Blobby? <laughs> He was one of the bosses, I believe. Yeah, that's, that's right. The yeah, secret boss. It wasn't Papu Papu, it was Blobby Blobby. Yeah, he's the first Down boss in the secret basement one. Of, uh, right. of Crash 2. Of, of, of Noel's house party. Uh, yes. That's right. 
uh, Mr. Blobby Boss. Um, but yeah, so, so what do you think? Because we've not quite I, covered that yet. I think that I don't think all of them deserve to be there. I don't think the Insane Trilogy deserves to be there. I think Crash Three does. I think Crash Three. Um, I don't know. I think there's something about Crash Three that, to me, would say this is a stand-up um, addition to, and as the PlayStation Magazine review just said there, a 2.5D game, because this isn't a full 3D game, this is 2.5D. And I think it's important to make that distinction. Um, is it 2.5D, though? I think to some element, it isn't 2.5D in the same... Definitely. Yeah, it is. it isn't 2.5D in the way that um, Pandemonium... Uh, is on the PlayStation, but it is 2.5D for a large section yeah. of it. There are 3D elements to it, like you say, the jet ski level. Um, you know the the, the motorbike level, well, not the motorbike level, but the jet ski level, 100 percent because it's very open. Um, but yeah, I think that Crash Three does deserve to be here. Crash One and Two probably not. Um, I think Crash One deserves to be on a list of important games, but. I don't think it deserves to be in the best. But Crash 3, yes. Just because it is a very famous platformer. And fame doesn't, you know, a good game make. But I think that the the different level designs, the bosses, the different things that it brings to the table and the, the extras and the additions that you get as you go through and beat the bosses, I think that Crash 3 does deserve to be here. Not, not super high, maybe in the the 70s or 80s, but I think it does deserve representation on the list through Crash 3. Um, what do you think about that? Other well, than disagree. It's certainly the best of, of the yes. three. For yeah, me. I, I um, agree. It is. I don't, I don't know if you're you're aware, but uh, the day this, uh, this episode releases, which will be Thursday the 15th of February, uh, do you know what the day after that is? The 16th of February. That's correct. And do you know the... Uh, the reason that well, I flagged that. Some, is that something to do with when our first episode was released? It is. Our first episodes that we ever did released on the 16th of February 2020. Um, four years ago. Four years ago. That's, uh, and you know, we've aged in that time by four years. Um, yeah. It's, uh, doesn't well, seem like we've been doing think, this for four years, does it? No, I think that the, the podcast has evolved over that time. Um, I think back to that. Um, it's GTA a hard listen. episode. And I feel like we didn't really know what we were doing. We no, didn't we have didn't. a structure. I mean, some um, might say we still don't. Well, yeah, it's very true. But it's more more of a controlled chaos now. Um, Quite. Whereas there, it was just unstructured chaos. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I feel like we've come a long way. Of course, we have our up episodes. We have our down episodes. We have... Um, those episodes where we really click and start flying and we have the ones where it's hard to pick yourself up and that could be to do with outside factors, it could be to do with the game itself, it could be a million things. Um, but yeah, we hope you've enjoyed it over the past four years and hope you'll continue to see us evolve and adapt and four um, more years. try new four things to entertain years. you. As the yes. political fans often say. But yes, it has been a, a, a fun four years. Um, so here's to the next few, however many there may be. Um, but yes, this will uh, this will release the day before our anniversary. So I look forward to my anniversary gift that you're going to get me, of course. Um, I've already got you something as a late Christmas gift, but you need ah, to come up here and collect it. 
Fantastic. Is it a chocolate cake? It's something. It's something it small, Mr. but something you'll appreciate. Is it Mr. Blobby uh, affiliated? It's, it's game related. Ah, well then, I suppose we uh, we shall see. Uh, yes. Need to make the pilgrimage up north. Um, yes, you do. But yes, so uh, that's our episode on uh, on Crash uh, Crash the Entertainment Trilogy. We hope you've enjoyed it. As always, we are on social media, um, less so than usual um, these days. We just tend to put our posts up about new episodes coming out. But if you ever do fancy uh, engaging with us on there, feel free to do so with the Long and Short of It podcast. Or you can email us at the Long and Short of It podcast at hotmail.com. And as always, you know, any uh, any likes or ratings or recommendations or shares of the podcast that you can do on your uh, desired podcast receptacle would be most uh, appreciated. What have we uh, what have we got coming next week, please? Next week we have Jade Empire, um Bioware game released on the exclusively on the Xbox um our NPC of course. Mm. And yeah, it's uh, it's a an action RPG. And I know you've started it already. Um I have so my advice to you, um, knowing that you haven't finished it yet, no. is it, it takes some time to get going, but it really does get going. And just try and soak in the completely unique setting. I, I shall do that as yes. I uh, as I complete my training um, as a young warrior man thing i've not uh, to, to be fair i've not played it for uh for a good few days so i'm uh, gonna jump in on it this afternoon and get some more hours logged um, yes i would but yes so, so they say the average time is 17 hours but I, I think you could easily go beyond that so just be careful with the how much time i'm spending partaking. on things yes yes quite yeah well that will be uh that will be next week and uh, yes, we, we hope that you join us for Jade Empire, the empire of our good friend Jade. Um, is there anything else for, for to come from you for today? Um, just to say, it's been um, a spotty couple of weeks as I'm getting used to my new job. And you obviously got your travel commitments as well. So we will find our groove and our rhythm again. But I feel like it's still probably a bit better than it was before Christmas. So quite, that's good. Yes. Well, uh, we shall see you next week then for Jade Empire. And in the meantime, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.